On Sunday mornings, we started to unpack a series on disciplines and what is helpful in becoming a good disciple. Recently, we unpacked the discipline of community and how it is positioned within the core of the church. In this episode, Nigel and Matt speak to Michael Hall about his life before becoming a Christian and his radical transformation after encountering Jesus. This is a testimony of a man once deemed too far gone by society, yet embraced and nurtured by a loving community. We do need to warn our listeners that this episode talks in parts about drug use. So without further ado, here's Nigel and Matt talking to Michael Hall. This is episode three of the Pondify podcast. Hello and welcome to the Pondify podcast. I am your host, Matt, and I'm joined in the studio today by my co-host, Nigel. Hello, Nigel. Ooh, Pondify podcast, is it? Yes, Pondify. It's not a word, but it's our word, so we'll run with that. Today, we are joined uh, by the wonderful Michael Hall. Hello, Michael. Hello. How are you? Um, I'm okay, thank you. How are you? Yeah, we're we're, we're good, yeah. I mean, it's a a second season. Uh, We're obviously in demand, which is positive. Uh, And you're in demand, because we want your time. We're going to be spending some time talking to, to you this evening. Um, a bit about your life, about your testimony. I mean, very quickly, just tell us a little bit about yourself, Michael. Um, obviously, my name is Michael. My second name's Hall. What's your um, middle name? Andrew. Thank you. <laughs> which is my dad's name. I am a member of a community church at the Carry Centre, where we are now, Bishop Stalford. Been a Christian now four years. What do you do in your spare time? Um, I go to the gym. I love reading the word. Um, podcasting. <laughs> no, uh, I, I love fishing when the weather's better. Uh, at the moment, it's a bit cold. Yeah. What sort um, of fishing? Carp fishing. Those are the ones you put back, aren't they? Yeah, yeah I've never, um, never fancied eating carp. To be honest, I, know <laughs> I had it. I went to Macedonia on mission years ago, and uh, I don't know whether this will be edited oh, out Jewish or not. Jewish people eat it, don't but they? no, no, Macedonia is not Jewish; oh, it's oh. Greek. <laughs> but um, we went to Macedonia, and we went to this fish restaurant, which was supposedly the best fish restaurant in Macedonia. Yeah. And I looked on the re- the menu, and it had crap. It said crap of different kinds of crap. Spelt right. <laughs> no, no, that's how they spell carp in oh. Macedonia. And so I ate it because I thought I needed to, if I went to a restaurant, eat crap. It just no, seemed wow. important to do. Wow. So, yeah. That's so That's great. Yeah. I love that. Once again, you're listening to the Community Church Bishop Stalford. <laughs> did it taste the nice? podcast. What did it taste like? It tasted quite muddy. You know, like muddy, pike. Yeah, Have you ever I've eaten pike? Before. No. <laughs> it tasted like muddy, kind of. But it was all right. Okay. okay, so we've got Michael uh, with us who enjoys going to the gym, oh, reading the word yeah. and fishing for carp. That's carp. Yeah. Um, what's our topic? What are we talking about today, Nigel? So we are, we're doing something a little bit different than we've done before today. We are going to talk to Michael about his testimony, which is an amazing testimony. And we're going to ask him about that. Thank but then we're also going to talk to Michael about his walk with God and about where he's at with community and scripture and his visions from God and that sort of thing. By visions, I mean dreams and visions and ideas for the future um, and hopefully it's going to go really well Michael I have been really blessed recently to be sharing in the leadership course with Michael yeah, thank you. and uh, it's been really good fun and uh, I'm really looking forward to this so uh, there we go okay in that case Michael where did it all start what was your childhood like right okay so um, I was born in Harlow uh, lived in Harlow um, till I was about seven uh, moved to Stanton Mount Fitchett, which is just outside of Bishop Stortford, nice little village. Um, obviously, I had to swap schools, but I was quite an outgoing child. Never had um, any problems with meeting new friends. And I think it was a year later, my mum and dad um, divorced. And then I can't remember when we moved to Stortford. I think I was about 10. 
So as you grew up, did you fall into wrong crowds or did you start doing different yeah, things? Yeah, so um, when I was growing up, 13, say 12, 13, uh, I was at secondary school now, obviously, um, I started, I just didn't know who I was. I felt, um, you know, when you're that age, you're, I'm not many, some people might do, but I, I didn't, um, I was just like showing off and going with the wrong crowd, starting smoking cigarettes because I thought it was cool. I remember watching films, people smoking and thinking it's, it's good. I mean, I remember it tasting actually really disgusting, but I still did it, but um, as my friends did. Um, I used to hang about on the street a lot with my friends, um, sort of after school. I used to bunk off school and um, there wasn't much fighting at school, but a lot of it was playing truant, bunking off, and um, I got expelled for that in the end, um, in year 10. That and another thing. Thing. The, the actual thing I got expelled for, I didn't do. So something got stolen out of uh, the oh, changing rooms. I know it wasn't me. It actually wasn't. And God's my witness. Um, but anyway, they had enough of me. Um, and they, I think they asked me to leave actually before I got expelled. I just actually didn't care. It's like I, I don't know. It's like um, so was, I was, there, was there anything in particular that made you stop taking interest and start to decide to do other stuff? I used to show off to girls I was interested in um, the name, getting a getting a reputation, sort of having a good reputation. Um, it used to be a thing at school about fighting as well, like uh, who's the hardest in the class and all that sort of thing. So pride, isn't it? So I think pride was building me in me then. So when did you leave school? Did you get into trouble before you left school or afterwards? Yeah, so basically or? I got expelled from Hockwell, went to St Mary's, started smoking cannabis, um, moved to Harlow at my dad's because I got sort of kicked out of my mum's smoking cannabis led to all this and uh didn't get along my stepdad at home so it's very unsettled now moved to my dad's um and yeah i didn't really go to st mary's either so i started uh, playing truant there and um i think they expelled me from there so i went to an expelled school in harlow um called the unit at tannersdale um yeah you was only allowed to do four gcse's there i think i started the first thing i got arrested for when i was about I think I was 15 and it was like stealing fireworks from a shop. That was the first thing on my criminal records, which was a theft. And literally everything on my criminal record now is shoplifting. There's one um, thing there, which is uh, an attempted street robbery, but I can tell you it wasn't. It was um, it, basically I was showing off and I punched someone and... Um, the two people that I was with, I didn't really even know. This is how crazy my life was. And this is in Red Hill near Gatwick Airport. They sort of patted him down, but he got up and run off. And um, I was only 16. And um, yeah, I got I, I pleaded not guilty for it, but um, I got found guilty of court. But I was really young then. I should have made a plea deal. But um, yeah, that was the first thing I went to prison for. Um, my criminal record wasn't really that bad then. I had five or six maybe convictions on there for... Maybe not even that actually, but uh, I think criminal damage and so why did you? Why were you shoplifting? Why were you so? But um, then was just for fun. Later years, when um, when I sort of got introduced to hard drugs, uh, heroin, um, and smoking heroin and smoking crack cocaine, which sort of comes in hand in hand with shoplifting um, to fund the drug because it's expensive, mm. addictive physically. You need it to feel normal in the end after using it because your body builds up a tolerance and if you don't have it basically you withdraw and um the withdrawal of heroin is really i can't describe how nasty horrible dirty and and prolonging it is you can't sleep for about a week maybe two some people don't sleep for a month so how um, old were you when you started drugs getting into the into the harder drugs so um started smoking weed 
um, did ecstasy and whatnot, 15, 16, um, bit of speed here and there, but used to hear of heroin and whatnot, but never, ever, ever thought I'd, I'd um, touch it. Um, so I was 22, I think, 22, 23, um, hearted. um, I was, um, getting over or just coming out of uh, my first sort of loving relationship. I never really felt like I had a home. My home where I was, I never felt settled with my mum because I didn't get along at all with my stepdad at this stage. And the same like likewise with my mum. With my dad, my um, my stepmum used to drink a lot, a lot, a lot, and uh, become very volatile, violent sometimes, and... Um, and I didn't, I just, yeah, I felt more at home around people's houses sometimes. It was really, it got, it got that bad. And uh, anyway, so um, I was living with uh, my first love for about a year and a half. Um, not all the time, but most of the time. And um, and she fell pregnant and uh, she said she wanted it first of all. And then maybe around Christmas time, actually. Um, and just after, I think she'd come back from staying at her mum's. She, she said, oh, I'm going to, she had a child already, which was two. Um, she said, I'm not ready to have another child. And I went to stay, I ended up staying around someone's house that I used to go to St Mary's with, and he was smoking. I didn't, I'd never seen heroin at this before, at this stage, and um, he used to smoke it on the foil. And he said, um, he offered me some, and um, I didn't know how to do it then, so he had to do it. He, he literally gave me a foil tube, um, just literally rolled up foil tube to um, inhale the heroin through. And I remember, t- oh, it's really um, like a, it's got like a fishy smell, but it's like got really sort of oh, like a strong taste to it. Anyway, um, it sort of hit, I remember it hitting me like, because um, when you're in, it's really quick, it's really instant. And it's like all the, um, all the pain, all the, all the fear. It's like it all just went. It was like I was in a warm sort of, uh, like, just comfortable bubble, all the paranoia, everything just... So how long did that that feeling last for? Quite long then, because it was the first time I'd taken it, so it probably was been an all-night thing, but I remember sort of waking up through the night, scratching and itching, because it makes your skin itch, but when I used to scratch my skin, it used to feel... It's really weird, it used to feel really nice, but it's... um Oh, looking back at it now, it's so dirty, man, but... um. And I didn't know, no one told me how physical it was. Otherwise, to be honest, I wouldn't... You know, you hear about it and you see films like Train Spotting years ago back then, but it never used to sink in my mind then. I never thought I'd ever do it. Anyway, um, if you do it for, say, a week every day on a trot, you're going to go cold turkey if you don't have it. So did it become a habit quickly? Um, I'd say over a month, maybe two. Um, and then I got introduced into learning how to shoplift to he he showed me how because he was doing it at this stage and uh, I got away with loads first of all because the police didn't really know me um, obviously I'd been living in Harlow now I was back in Stortford and uh, just things like clothes and things like that but it was like it's like a new um, even though I knew it was wrong I always knew it was really wrong I didn't I'd, I always thought thought it wouldn't have got me like it did you know um, but it was it was like a new sort of adventure it was because we used to. I know it's wrong shoplifting and thieving, but it was exciting. It was like a fear factor as well. Excuse me. And um, we used to go to Tottenham Hale to sell the stuff. So I got introduced to a gambling den in Tottenham Hale where they used to... I think it was old gangsters in there. They used to play poker and cards. You'd go in there and be like, say, 30, 40 
guys sitting around these tables playing cards and um there's a couple of people there that um would take stolen goods i think they all would but um there'd be a couple of buyers they'd be the main buyers you'd go up there with whatever you have they'd take the whole lot give you a a big bit of money for the whole lot and obviously they'd make more because they'd sell it separately yeah it just became a daily thing in the end i remember getting a train down there every day it's, it sounds to me like you were were kind of apprenticed into that, that yeah that definitely, lifestyle definitely. so you're a kid mm. um you say you fall in with the wrong crowd you know you're going from place to place and then all of a sudden you you mm. bring in this apprenticeship that that kind of mm spirals down well, I can definitely see where the enemy was working then and um, you know because there were chances where I could have uh, got myself out of it maybe but um, was your mum concerned with you at that always, time always yes definitely I remember her saying to me that she had a dream of um, getting a phone call from the police like uh, finding me dead coming to identify the body that they found me dead in a public toilet but thank God that will never happen because you know that I've been away from all that for years. So, so you said you were, were shoplifting to to fund this this habit. That's obviously yeah. what what ended you up in in trouble with the law. Yeah, and you ended up serving a, a prison sentence. Is that right? Many. Right. Okay. Fine. So How often? How many? I think I've got over a hundred um, marks in my rap sheet. I think I've got over a hundred convictions for shoplifting, theft, um, and I've been to prison. God, mate, I've, I've looked over probably about 13 14 times so so how did you actually come to faith then i mean we've we, we've heard about your your yeah. upbringing we've heard about you know how you were yeah. apprenticed into this uh, criminal lifestyle how on earth are you here now can i just take a step back it's just you said you've been you said 13 14 times in prison mm. when you left in between each time did you want to be different did you want your circumstances to change or did you just go straight back into it um, I did want to be different, um, but you got to understand the power of this drug. Um, when you, everyone says when they get out, right, I'm not going to touch it. I'm going to, um, or, or in in another instance, like I'll go out, I'll have a little bit, and then that'll be it. You know, because you've done a, it's like looking forward to Christmas Day when you're going home in prison. It is. That's the feeling you get, and that's what we'd always say. It's like I'm excited. I'm going home in the morning. Going home in the morning, and the prison would always give you a discharge grant if you had no money. They'd give you, I think it was fifty something quid to automatically. They'd just give it to you to go out with, and um, every time you, I, I knew I'd, I, I said I wouldn't. Um, I think there was one time I didn't. But I ended up doing smoking spice instead and missing my appointment and getting recalled straight away. But that's that's crazy. But anyway, um, yeah. So every time I'd um, I'd use that discharge, and then yeah, I wouldn't be strong enough to. I I didn't know about the support that there is now. There's so much support out there now. Um, you can get medicated. I was on methadone um, back then, but I didn't know that first of all um, when I was first um, in the addiction i didn't know about it but they they've got so much more now there's so much support out there now even in prison as well they they wean you off it there's rehabs in prison now because it's become such a problem i mean years ago obviously when i first started you have to go to tottenham and london to buy the drugs now they come up county line selling it in villages towns you can get it on your doorstep 24 hours delivery um so yes it's literally rife everywhere you can i mean people don't know like you know but when you've seen you i can spot I can see it, you know, even in little villages, say states in Mount Fitchie, you wouldn't, you wouldn't ever think it, but it's there. It's, it's sort of near enough everywhere. So what changed, Michael? Yeah, so Jesus, um, Jesus called me out of it. Um, he spoke to me in a police cell um, 
four years ago, literally four years ago, um, around this time, uh, end of January, oh no, sorry, end of February time, I was, I had to get to the end of myself, I was at the end of my, I had nothing, I had no money, no job, in and out of prison for 10 years, um, family loved me, but didn't really want me around, friends just weren't really friends, people that used me, because I was good, I was good at what I did, which was shoplifting and uh, stealing to get money, excuse me, I got a bit of a bunged up nose, um, yeah, so I just really, it took a long time for me to come to the end of myself. I remember um, being in a police cell and uh, at this time I was smoking cannabis. I hadn't, I was, I thought I was doing well for myself, but I was still smoking cannabis um, to get off the crack and the heroin, which I did. I wasn't smoking. I didn't smoke the, the crack and the heroin for about three months. And I thought, wow, that, I've never done that. I haven't done mm. that for years. So, and then I got arrested and I thought like my whole world just caved in and, um, and in a way, it did. You know, I was I was sort of back at my mum's then, and uh, things were looking upwards. And um, anyway, so um, I remember getting dropped off in the town. I was on the way to the uh, train station to go and see my dad in Harlow, and uh, police drove past me as I was walking to the train station. I just had a feeling, and they did a U-turn at the roundabout by the paddling pool down there. And uh, Mr. Hall, I think you're wanted. You got a warrant out, and I thought, well, no. And I had cannabis on me at the time, and um, I, t- I tucked it in my down my uh, trousers just because they that's where you conceal it anyway they found it and um and i was wanted for something that happened uh a month or two before shoplifting and um got to the police station and i don't know something was something had been calling me something was happening in my life then and um there's something i'll, I'll tell you in a minute but in the police cell um i just i just it's so emotional and I, I was crying my eyes out and um Something made me. I had a Bible as well, and I never had took a Bible. I asked for a Bible in the police cell, and um, anyway, I, I I just cried out to God. I can't remember if I was on my knees or or what, but I just um, I was like, God, if uh, if you're real, I I'm not sure if I was speaking or saying in my heart, but um, He knows your heart. And I said, God, if you're real, I can't live like this anymore. I don't want to live like this anymore. I can't. I literally felt like I didn't want to live anymore, you know, right. and. Um, I remember him saying to me as clear as day um, in my heart it's, and I felt such a peace as well. He said to me, I've got you, my son. And he followed up the miracle as well because he, he blessed me with getting bail and and that was one thing I was upset for as well because as soon as you got, I, I got arrested, my record got so bad, they would keep me in so they wouldn't let me out. So I'd stay in the police cell all night and um, I'd go to court the next morning. And if that So you knew what was going to happen. Yeah. yeah. And if that would have happened... Oh, the court wouldn't have, I was in breach of two suspended sentences, which means um, you're guaranteed to go to prison if you commit right. any offence on, on them. Yeah, I got bail, and it was like, okay, God, wow. Um, I was just still getting over the fact that um, I heard his voice, and then I get bail, which is like, wow. And then um, I got home, and I just felt different in my heart. I felt something. I felt there was hope. It was like hope, like light. It's like, I can't explain it. When God speaks to your heart, there's, uh, he, it's like he gave me the grace or... It's, the comfort, the peace, there's something there, hope there. But uh, you notice there was something different inside. Yeah, definitely. I mean, you just think, you know, you've heard God, God's real, he's real. <laughs> and uh, I got home and I still, um, I think I had weed at home and I just, I, I remember smoking, I never used to feel guilty about it, but I did now. And uh, I got home and I put on the Christian pastors on um, on YouTube and uh, and a guy come up from America, Joe Lawstein, um and I needed to hear that then. I used to sit there and, and cry my eyes out listening to Hope and everything that he said, I felt like he was talking to me directly, you know. Yeah. And at, at the end, it's like, do you want to give your life to Jesus? And um, 
I remember I did it multiple times, but um, I remember that night. I was, yeah, you know, I think that's when God marked me. Then yeah. I've got to ask. You asked for the for a Bible in in the police cell. Yeah. What did you read? Nothing. I, I think I opened it up because I used to like Psalms. So when I was in Bedford, I used to read the Psalms, and I always knew about Psalm ninety-one. I find it amazing. You said you know that you didn't want to live anymore. It just it happened so much in my life, and it was like um, I had to really get to the end of myself. Some people it might happen after a year or two, and they'd be like, right, that's not me anymore. That wasn't me in the first place. But for me, I was just I was so lost. And it had happened, it had been going on for so long, I just I couldn't do it anymore. And in prison, the last few times before this that I'd been to prison, um, there's a new drug that came out called Spice, synthetic um, cannabis. It's nothing like cannabis. It's, I don't know what it's sprayed with, but in prison it was rife back then. And um, I used to smoke that in there. You'd do anything in there, really, to pass the time. And um, anyway, you know, cellmates that I'd be... Um, in a cell, sharing a cell with would um would get some or I'd get some and whatnot, but I'd I'd end up getting in debt in there, and um oh it's horrible. Look at I'd ring my mum for twenty five quid to get her to put it in people's accounts, and it got really bad like that in there as well. And uh, it's like I didn't know how to control it. You know, it's like I wanted it, I'd get it on tick, but I knew I couldn't pay for it. And then I oh, do you know what I even remember um because I, I had something of that. I'd be going to church in prison, even I remember the third or fourth time um, in prison, I think it was Chelmsford, I started going to church, and I actually got baptised in Chelmsford prison, I got a sprinkle, not a full immersion, but it's Church of England, but I remember getting in debt with these dealers, but I'd be sort of, I'd be praying to God to help me, sort of just not really knowing how to pray, but like, you know, just desperate. And this was before you'd had that, that heard that voice of God in, in the cell? Yeah. But God's amazing. He'd always, it would always something. It would, I could see His hand on it now. It, it, it'd always happen. Something it saved me from it. So my mum would end up putting the money in. Or there was one time um, I was in I was in Bedford again, and all these uh, the gang of there was a gang of Somalians in there controlling it all. And uh, I actually had the stuff, but I'd moved. The the wings were right close to each other. So I'd I'd moved from C to B, which was right. And the guy that I owed was on the other wing. And um, but I gave him the stuff and put it through, but I was still getting these trouble from these um, Somalians, and they all come in my cell. And obviously, you've got ten, whatever of them, and there's one of me in the cell. I actually like food for my life a bit. And um, over that night, I thought in the morning, I was thinking they're gonna because um, they 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 had knives in there, they had kitchen knives in there. They'd be able to get things over the wall. And um, Anyway, I had a picture um, of of the you know the Turin Shroud um, where yeah. Jesus's face is on it, and um, it's like a, this sort of size, like a notebook sort of size. And um, I think I'd got it from church that Sunday, but there was a picture of Jesus's face, and I had it in my cell. I'd been smoking spice that day, I was sort of crying. Then I was really desperate. I didn't know what to do. I was really scared, and um, but I just felt I was looking at Jesus's face in this picture. And I remember this come to me earlier, but I just remember him sort of coming. It sort of come real. It became real. And I don't know if I was hallucinating or not, but he sort of, uh, he's, everything's going to be okay. And um, the next morning I got moved, because I was on methadone then, I got moved to um, to a totally separate wing, which deals with methadone and everything, uh, D-wing, which is over the other side. So he took me out of it. So maybe something would have happened the next day, yeah. 
So wow. that's <laughs> just completely amazing. But I always remember it. And okay, I was smoking spice that day, but I think I was coming off the effects then. But it's like his face just came real. And I was looking, remember looking into his face and I was like, oh God, help me, help me, help me. What am I going to do? What am I going to do? Yeah, it's amazing. So you've mentioned several times over this, okay? So you've you've grown up, you've fallen into the wrong stuff and you've gone to prison yeah. and all that stuff's happening. You've mentioned several times fear. You've mentioned several times that you were scared. Did that play a part in what was going on? Did that change after you came to faith? Yeah, definitely. So it was anxiety. Is that is that a word that's important in that time too? It was definitely. It's because um, I never really had anything secure like a home or anything where I could call a base, you know. I was always here, there, there, everywhere sort of. And life was just a shambles, never knowing whether I'm going to get arrested or whatnot. You read the Bible or you have a Bible. Yeah, yeah. Um, you go Joel Osteen, you hear that preaching, which is all hope and grace and yeah. really positive stuff, yeah. and that really has an effect on you. You give your life to Jesus. You've been baptised before in Chelmsford. Yes. What was different about that? Why was that different? I just felt totally different. It felt like I had Holy Spirit in me, I think, then. I just felt like I was marked. Before, when I got baptised in prison, we read everything off a sheet. I didn't even know what I was reading half the time. And then I got a sprinkle in the cross, and that was it. And it didn't really... I did feel, because I remember leading up to that, um, the first time I read Mark, um, I read Mark in a little pocket uh, Bible in um, in my cell, and I remember reading it, and I, I remember tearing up. So the seeds yeah. were getting planted then, and I remember yeah. like, um, wow, you did that for me. You know, I was like, wow, I just felt God speaking to me then. And I look back through it all, and I can see where God had his hand on me and was using people, um, godly people in prison that had made a mistake, um, stirring up fire in me. Or why else would I go to church? Other people would be like, I remember this guy that I shared a seat. He'd go, I can't go to church. I'll burn up if I go in there. And I'll, you know, what a stupid thing to say. So Just you met you met people in prison who really <laughs> stirred who me up. Yeah, stirred you up. Yeah. Okay. So after you've come to faith, what happens next? So you've got Joel Osteen. It's a big step from Joel Osteen <laughs> in your bedroom on uh, YouTube yeah. to church and membership right, and all so, the rest um, of that Joel Austin always said get yourself into a Bible based church and um, always knew about here um, I actually told Peter Vincent about this the other day I, I come to this church when I was lost in addiction many years before this um, many years before um, then anyway um, and I came in here looking to see if I could get any money or to steal anything and I remember when I was in prison as well um, the chaplaincy team would recommend this church as a church to go to when I get out. Um, so, yeah, um, I can't even remember the first day I came in here, but I came, I remember coming here and um, and it just felt like home. It just felt, yeah, this is this is where I'm meant to be. What, what do you think people. it was? What what was so different, do you think? As I say, the Holy Spirit in me, I think. It's just what the change in myself. What was it about this place? Oh, here. The worship was great. I don't remember the first, but the more I came, the more welcome and loving I felt. And I'd been around so many like, people that I couldn't trust. I couldn't trust anyone, but I felt like here I could, that people coming to me with prophecies and, oh, I can see um, you're a mighty man of God and things like really stir me up. And I'd be like, wow, am I? Do you know what I mean? And then um, even when I'd go home and listen to sermons and, and then know who I really am it was like the old me the lies coming off me and the truth coming in me and, and knowing who I really am because um yeah the, the, the reason I ask is that we've we've recently been been going through a, a sermon series 
at church about community. Yes. Obviously, we're, we're the community church. So mm. I wanted to ask you, how has the Christian community helped you in general? It's just amazing to come to, um, to know this place is here. Um, many welcoming people. There's no judging. You come in and you're you're welcome. There's there's always people here that can speak to you about whatever sort of journey you are in your life. You know, so if you are lost on drugs and homeless, then you know I could talk to you. Or there's others here that could speak to you about that. There's all sort of different um, types of blessings on people that people have got testimonies that, that can talk to you. Um, the worship's amazing um, and great great leaders and speakers and yeah people come up to you and say hello we have the welcome team I'm on the door as well yeah. uh, sometimes uh, and some everyone's great um, it's just um, a, a really safe I've, that's a major thing as well like a safe place to be but it's more than just Sunday is it I mean you're talking about the worship team and the welcome yeah, team that's Sunday really amazing, what about the other during the week as, as well. well so Loom is um is amazing as well and it's um i really um i really miss loom I, I can't yeah um it's it's really good to come and meet other people um to get into people be with people you can trust and have shared the same if not different testimonies but we're all lost we all were lost and now we're found or beginning to be found but there's so many people here that can talk to you um about jesus and explain their testimonies and talk to you about who who you really are in in god yeah so so loom is is one of the community groups that yes. we have here at the uh, at the community church it started from a, a load of people doing alpha originally Alpha, and yeah. similar backgrounds some people were kind of stuck in addiction uh, other people criminal past and you know it, it just so happened that a, a, a group of people with similar background all came together and jesus broke into their life at the, at the same Come time on, it's yeah. a little bit different now like different backgrounds we love having you as part of loom oh, thank you. <laughs> thank you. i mean i, I can say and that you too because i'm part of it yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay cool i mean are there any particular people who've encouraged you oh definitely so um mark williams christine williams for one um the link is currently sitting at the laptop next to us mark's our producer (laughs) no definitely you can i can definitely see where god's definitely um had people and put people in my life um and and still is and and he's putting me in people's lives now so he's using me as a vessel and a testimony and and his light for other people as well which is which is amazing and there's Beth there's um there's people that were here that I sort of haven't seen for a little while as well and miss them so much um uh yeah there's and Matt obviously Matt Squirrel Nigel obviously I'm getting to know you more but I'm just a you, for a while. you carry on with them <laughs> they're much nicer than I am. um but yeah the, the sermon's always uh, great here on yeah. a Sunday you, you you did actually just mention God's using you yes to yes. encourage others how Oh, so at work lately, um, a guy that I met last year, where he joined where I work last year, and um, I've told my testimony. I was speaking to him, similarly, similar to how I am now, telling him my story. And um, he, I remember him saying to me, he's never heard it like that before. I can't remember how he put it, but he'd never heard Jesus being spoken like that uh, before. And because um, I think most people think it's religion, don't they, when it's not. And uh, yeah. anyway, he got baptised uh, a month ago now month and a half ago now um, and thank God for that come on um, hope, I, I just got a feeling there's going to be so many more um, coming to coming to the truth you know coming to the light um, you yeah. see but that's one of the things that's really important because I, I had a I, I, I've 
I know I'm really blessed because mm. I've had a stable childhood and I had stable parents, although my dad died when I was very young. So mm. that made so it a wasn't difference. stable then. Really. Yeah, but you know, it, as far it's as it could be, it was stable. And I, that really speaks to people from those circumstances. I praise God because you, God brought you out of stuff yeah, thank and you, you Lord, have yeah. becoming, you've, I mean, I just getting to know you, you're becoming a man of God. You are becoming balanced and balanced in the right way. In the sense of, you know, you're a person that Jesus has touched and you're becoming more like Jesus. That's and it's really total important. miracle because I, I couldn't ever do it myself. I tried. And um, and there is another guy as well, bless him, another guy that's in rehab now. Um, the first guy, sorry, I totally just no, come in my on, mind. Um, so his name's Gary and uh, God had me. This is really weird. Can I just tell you this quick story? I was on the train back from, um, I wasn't driving then. This is two years ago. And I was on the train back from Harlow. And a guy come up to me and uh, looked a bit like sort of worse for wear. But he was speaking okay. But he's, I could uh, smell a little bit of drink. Anyway, I noticed he had a hospital um you know the bracelets they have on their wrists, so he he just come out anyway. He actually was telling me he was he was forward. He was saying I've just come out of hospital, and I was like, oh, what for and everything. And um, he told me about alcohol, how he really struggles with it. I couldn't really see much of that in him, but you know I could smell it on his breath. And anyway, what happened? I remember this was outside the train station. He actually asked me for a cigarette because I was smoking at this time, so I gave him a cigarette and was chatting. But I remember talking to him. Um, about my testimony and about you know how lost because addiction is addiction it doesn't matter if you're on alcohol or, or whatever you do what you're addicted to it's, it's a chain that needs to be broken and I told him about giving my life to Jesus and Jesus coming in and breaking that chain and setting me free and just knowing the love of God and um, I could tell he was just soaking it all in and he ended up I remember telling I, I gave him my number and I bumped into him about a week later in town as well and I told him about here and then I never thought he'd come here, but he did. He turned up here. And now, thank God, he's in a Christian rehab. He's been in there over six months now, is it? Mm. And he's clean. He's knowing Jesus oh, more. Wow. I saw him a month or two ago. He's really totally free. And his family were here. I'm thinking about it now. Do you know, oh, thank you, Lord. I couldn't do that myself. If I didn't have a testimony, what could I say to him? I'd just be like, oh, I just I hope the best for you sort of thing. Try and stop. But God's blessed me with... Um, with this testimony, which uh, which I'd never take for granted, it's just such a blessing. And uh, but not just that testimony, you've got in your heart a love for people, which is just brilliant. Because uh, that's I, I that's Jesus. I'm on a journey with with that now, because there's uh, I want I do love people. I don't, there's I've got a love for the lost. I know how how desperate and everything it is out there. So um, yeah, definitely. Um, I, I remember being at Loom uh, one night. You brought someone along who had been in a fight and their yeah. eye was closed up do you remember right, this yeah yeah, yeah. and if, obviously if you hadn't invited him along then then this never happened but he his eye was so swollen up he couldn't see out of it yeah. and we yeah laid hands on him Praise and we prayed Lord. and before we saw his, the swelling go down and we saw this guy's eye just open just open Mm. And it it was it's amazing. He his eyes were physically open, Come on. and the eyes of his heart were physically opened. And I just think, like, it, if if you if you hadn't met that guy, if you hadn't said something, like that guy's life would you be could totally see different. God touching him then, yeah. couldn't you as yeah. well? And his yeah. faith just he's just blown away by by loads of it. Even though drinking, but God works through that, you know. Yeah. And you can definitely see. So, it. are there <laughs> areas that you still struggle with? 
Um, you know, to be to be completely honest about it, okay, we're all works. We're all works in progress. Hundred percent. Yeah, definitely. And um, and yeah, so I carried on smoking cigarettes for. I always felt um, convicted about it, but I've now given up, and it's been I think yeah, Christmas I stopped. I have a little vape here and there. I'm hungry for God. That I want to do every every day for the kingdom. So now. I just get into my work. I've been where I am for three years now, and it's getting a bit mundane. I feel like I've been drying up a little bit there lately. I know David's come to God. Thank God for that. That's the best thing ever that I'm working there now. But I wanna. There's, I'm excited for the future. I'll put it that way. I'm very excited for the future. I wanna do. I wanna trust God more. If God said to me, "Leave your job tomorrow, go here," I'd go. And that, that's the sort of. Um, but if God said to you, "Don't leave your job, stay there for another three years," would you stay? <laughs> uh, yes, definitely. So, question: definitely. <laughs> How's your anger? Um, it's getting better. Uh, it, it, oh, mate, there's there's times that I do fly off the off the handle, um, especially with. That's what I mean. When I work with twelve guys, and um, I think I've been look. I've been praying about this lately as well. And the Holy Spirit sort of tells me that there's obviously when I'm in prison, I'm around guys all the time. I used to share a cell with a guy, and it, you know, there's certain things that your flesh you just get you get wound up about. And um, there's a few times at work that I've uh, I've that I'm not um, happy about that I'm ashamed of really. Like I've I've sworn. Um, I've uh, like really lost my temper at some people. Um, not not violent or anything. Just uh, there's times when I've just walked out of work. Not many, once I think, no, twice. Sorry, I've just walked out, nearly giving it in. But mate, as a you know, as a dad, right? I'm yeah. always I lose my temper quite a lot because I'm quite passionate at times. Yeah, and uh, there's a my wife line, has there? said to me, and I absolutely believe what she says. She says it's not necessarily that you lose your temper it's what you do afterwards that yeah. makes the impact oh, do you on the know what? thank god you said that because i always do sort of apologize and uh and yeah there was an incident recently that's just come to mind i lost my i lost my temper i just got a bit wound up about something that i shouldn't and i'm glad i did apologize after but some people do not so we we are human aren't we we're still human we still live in a fallen world it's easy to be really hard on yourself and get really like condemned about it but um as long as you sort of know about it and you pray about it and God will grow you out of it more and more, you know? Definitely. Yeah, well, well, too right. We're all works in progress. Yeah. <laughs> I can definitely yeah. testify for that. You, Nigel, can you testify for that? No, I'm perfect. Uh, yeah, I was no say, doubt. <laughs> I thought, I thought <laughs> no, you might I am absolutely that. a work in progress. I'd, I'd say you are. I just want to jump onto something. You, you, you said right at the very beginning, you said you love reading the Word. Um, so... How do you read your Bible? It's something that, again, we're, we're talking about um, in the in a sermon series at the minute. How do you read your Bible? Now? So yeah. now uh, I've, um, I just uh, get into the New Testament. I, I need to read. I want to read. Not need to. I want to read more of the Old Testament. I've read bits and bobs. But um, I'm not one person that I go, well, I'm going to meet Matthew, Mark, Luke and John and then blah, blah, blah. Um, so I just, I wouldn't say pick, but I, now I'm on Hebrews. But I've just gone through Peter, second Peter, but when I read it, I make, like, I don't write in too much in my Bible, but I put little stars in that means, I highlight things that mean to me, um, that are speaking to me, important things, and, um, and yeah, um, I need to be doing more sort of Bible study where I am writing notes and what, um, digging more into it, but I just rest in it, I just love it, soak it up as much as I can, meditate in the Word, there's, I can't read a couple of pages or a whole chapter because after a page or two there's so much in it yeah. I need to meditate on what otherwise you're just reading through it aren't you um, 
maybe after a few years of reading it more and more I can get like that but yeah that's, that sounds that sounds really good to me there are times <laughs> when you can read through I had a really good friend really good friend a, a pastor who was in his 80s by the time I knew him and he taught me to read the Bible in a different way and he said read through it if there's stuff that catches you just dwell on it yeah and if yeah. there's not just pass keep going just yeah. read and absolutely it catches your heart i was going to read this out and use it as a kind of a, a meditation -y kind of thing but actually the more we're talking the more i think this is for you oh okay and i really think i mean there is over you god has got something over you yeah michael you are a work in progress you're not perfect and mate you don't have to be, because no. <laughs> that's why Jesus saves you. He doesn't save you because you're perfect. He saves you because he loves you. Thank you and Lord, yeah. you are an absolute blessing to have around. And the passage I was praying earlier today, and the passage I found was 2 Timothy chapter 1, verses 6 to 10. And I'll give you the piece of paper when we finish, but it says this, and this is for you, I reckon. And Paul is writing to Timothy. So Timothy is a young man. How old are you, Michael? I'm 39 in April. So you're not that young. But he's, he's writing to Timothy. He's a young man. <laughs> and he says this. He says, For this reason I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For the Spirit of God gave us... Sorry, the Spirit God gave us does not make us timid, but gives us power... Yeah love and self-discipline so do not be ashamed of your testimony about our lord or of me his prisoner rather join with me in suffering for the gospel by the power of god he has saved us and called us to a holy life not because of anything we have done but because of his own purpose and grace and this grace was given us in Christ Jesus before the beginning of time, but it has now been revealed through the appearing of our Saviour, Christ Jesus, who destroyed death and has brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. That testimony you gave of effectively meeting him in the police cell when you had the Bible, of meeting him several times in other people, through Joel Osteen, through all sorts of stuff, don't despise that. And the stuff that you're ashamed of, don't be ashamed of that because it's that that God saved you from. That is that is your past, but that is your testimony and that is yeah. what brings people to faith. That is what Amen. brings people to think, hold on, if it can happen to him, it can happen oh, to me. come on, yeah. That's and what I want to highlight. Just bless you, man, because it's been really good. There's no one too far gone to for the grace of God to... As you know, God knocks. Says in Scripture, let's say my favorite one, but God knocks on Jesus knocks on the door of your heart. You just have to open it, and He'll come in. And um, and, and Revelation three sixteen. Behold, I stand at the door, door and knock. knock. Anyone who wants opens it, I'll come and eat with it's them. Up with you, yeah. Something and, like. Um, and that's what happened that day. Um, God sees your heart, and he, uh, there was nothing but, and there is nothing but Him. There's, there's. I've been in the world. There's nothing that He can offer you that that is any anywhere near as good and loving as the grace and the peace and the, the, the security of knowing that you're right with God and God's blessing on you and um, yeah life with very Jesus. quickly Michael has God put anything on your heart any dreams any visions as in ambitions what I want to yeah. do for the future I've always had snatching people out of out of addiction um, 
I remember God saying to this to me at work one day, I've written it all down on my phone, working in rehabs, even going into police cells, because in police cells you're there, you have, you know, you're, you're at the end of it, you have like where I was, but if you had someone coming around and saying, telling you my story, you know, and there is hope, even like maybe changing the law that, you know, that you can talk about Jesus and, and, um, because I feel like he's, he's get, you're not allowed to, are you? Sometimes you're not you're not allowed to talk about Jesus. Um, I'm not sure if it's a lot. I can't or not. stop I talking know. about Jesus. <laughs> I know me I'm too. The one person yeah. to ask about that but, um, one. I'd love to. There's this um, is a Christian podcast. You can talk <laughs> about Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm talking about in police stations. <laughs> so um, the community support officers in Stalford stopped me um, a little while ago. Now they wanted they want me to um, or they want to use uh, my story. or want me to come and talk to. Uh, some of the naughty boys, naughty people that they know, tell them um, where I was and where I am now. And um, I said, yeah, I agreed to it. And um, hopefully we can we can get that going. Oh, that's awesome. Yes. But I was talking to them about coming t- into the police station in Stevenage and maybe um, going around the cells. But they said that I wouldn't be allowed to do that, unfortunately. But I, I you never know what doors are going to open. Mm. Yeah. 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 I, I agree. If it's God's will, definitely. But... Right. Um, we see what God wants to do. Come on. Well, Michael, it's been uh, an absolute pleasure uh, talking with you. Thank you for your uh, your honesty, uh, your your yeah, openness. You. Um, and yeah, I um, I just want to thank our, our listeners um, uh, yeah. as well. If if you have um, had any questions raised um, uh, by by what Michael said, then please do please do get in touch. We'd we'd love to hear from you. Um, and I just want to say I think there's one other thing we need to say before we finish. Everyone who's listening to this, who goes to Bishop Storford, to community church in Bishop Storford, you've played a part in Michael's testimony. Yeah, thank you. When we gum down heavy on our church and on all the issues that we have, and we're not perfect and all the rest of that, the grace and the love and the compassion and the stuff that is in our church, among our people, there are some unbelievably loving, caring, kind people. And you have such an impact. And I would go through people's names, but we'd miss people off. But I just want to bless them as well. Yes, come on. It's like a magnet. You draw people in. You pull. People notice it. I remember seeing Mark smile, I think, the first or second time I came. And I was like, that I'm guy's so happy. <laughs> I was like, why is he so happy? I think I caught his eye once as well. He's just smiling. I was like, at first, yeah, it's just so nice. It's just love. Just love, isn't it? It's love. Thank you, Community Church. Yeah, thank you. You really are blessed by church.